Hey there, thanks for visiting the podcast of the Guelph Vineyard Church. If you haven't already, please subscribe to our podcast using whatever platform you listen on, or visit our website at guelphvineyard.com. Here's this week's message brought to you by our pastor, Chris McQueen. Let me let me pray, and then we're gonna we're gonna jump into we're gonna talk about Samson this morning. And uh, I I knew right from the second this concept this idea for a series emerged. I I knew that uh, that Samson was going to have a moment of of center stage because he's such an interesting character, um, and we're going to explore that this morning. Um, so in yeah, Lord. Right now, we ask that you would uh, would come and fill this time. Ask that your spirit would speak to us through the scriptures. That your spirit would speak to us directly. That your spirit would would speak to us through one another, and even questions that we might might ask. Thank you, Lord. Amen. If you guys will recall a couple weeks ago when I introduced this idea that we we're going to be looking through stories of the Bible, this was actually the first name that came out, Samson. And uh, I can't remember who said it first, but two people said it. So uh, Jaden Wilson, um, he, he said that. And Alden, uh, Alden also, uh, he, he two thumbs up from Alden. Yep. I see you, man. Um, so I, I have a video pre-recorded um from Jaden that we'll be playing in in just in just a minute um so that uh, looking forward to that unless unless you want to come live that's a possibility too so uh you let me know um and uh Alden I'm not sure are you do you want to say anything this morning or should I just kind of ex- communicate what I heard from your mom via text no no pressure either way no worries. Well, if you decide that you so if you want if you decide that at any point you want to ask a question or jump in there or whatever, feel free to just unmute and uh, and and I I mean everybody has this um, uh, as a possibility, but Alden in particular this morning, you have the freedom to interrupt me and say, "Hey, I have a question for you," or "I want to say this." So what I understand um, from from LJ uh, in talking with with Alden was that he was just really drawn to the Samson character in a lot of ways because he he's like a superhero right I mean he's superhuman strength and he just kind of rocks you know just kind of lays waste to his enemies and uh, um, so so that it's it's the stuff of great stories on that I mean just look at our movies uh, that we consume. And uh, and the my, the main question, as I understand it, was was hey, like, what was God trying to achieve with, with through Samson? What was the point? Um, and so we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about what the Lord's intentions. And I'm going to say what the Lord's intentions might have been. We can be clear about a few things, but I'm going to be straight up with you. I don't have all the answers, particularly to this most complicated character. Um, but I'm going to do my best. So, um, so. Thanks for thanks for that conversation. And then uh, Allison, did you guys want to do this live this morning? Um, I think we'll roll the video. Jaden's actually dealing with a pretty bad stomachache, oh. so he's on the couch. Oh. He doesn't really okay. feel like talking, but he's All listening. Right. Yeah. yeah, awesome. Well, I mean, not awesome that he's got a stomachache, though. Lord, we ask that you just uh, settle his stomach and uh, and bring peace to his body in Jesus' name. We pray. Thanks, Chris. Yeah. Okay, so we're gonna roll the video here. Just a second. Hi, Jaden. What is your favorite story in the Bible? My favorite story in the Bible is Samson. Yeah, and why do you like the story of Samson so much? Because he is really strong and he's cool to read. 
and he faces a lot of trials, but he never gives up on them. And does that remind you of things in your own life? Do you find that story encouraging? Yeah. Yeah. What trials does Samson face? He has to wrestle a lion. Yeah. And he pushes down the pillars of an entire temple. Yeah. And it crashes all over the Philistines. It's pretty crazy, eh? His strength. Yeah. Is that all you want to say about Samson right now? Yep. Okay. Thanks, honey. Bye. Awesome. Okay. Sweet. Love it. <clears throat> so Samson, I thanks thanks to you too. And again, just putting the word out there uh, for requests for stories as we go on. So here's what I want to say as we get started into this. Um, the scriptures agree. With both, um, with both Alden and Jaden, that there's something in Samson that is that's really quite praiseworthy. In fact, Hebrews 11 lists him um, as among one of the one of the pillars or one of the, the examples of of people who demonstrated what it was to really press into faith um, as as a kind of righteousness. And I think that that's meaningful. It's interesting to me in the Hebrews passage. What's interesting is that, you know, it's it, when the scriptures, when the, the, the writer of the book of Hebrews mentions Samson, he mentions him among a bunch of other names and says, if only I had more time, I would tell you, uh, you know, how these, how these characters represented this, this noble uh, life of faith thing. And I wish of all of the names that are listed there, I really wish that that writer had actually expounded what their thoughts were uh, for, for Samson, because um, he's a complicated character. And so what I, what I want to, so I, this is the caveat, I, I agree and the scriptures agree that there's some really um, incredible parts of his story. And I also want you to know that I'm gonna be pretty hard on Samson this morning. I'm gonna, um, I, he, I'm gonna, we're gonna put him through the ringer a little bit, um, because as far as decision makers go, um, he is an, he's an interesting guy, um, and a complicated person. And so we're just going to be really honest about that. Just like the scriptures are really honest about, about characters like Samson. You know, we like our stories to be really neat and tidy and kind of straight like an arrow and have, have the point. And, uh, you know, you just can't get there with Samson and you can't even get there with the book that contains him, the part of our biblical library that tells us all about the life of Samson is the, I, I would say it's maybe the most complicated book in, in the, in, in the Bible. In fact, it's, it's the, it's the ugliest and messiest book in the Bible stuff. I mean, there's no, there's really no part of that book that we could put into a movie that we would uh, be comfortable showing all of it or watching all of it. And we, all of us would turn our eyes away at some point or other. It's intense, man. It is super intense. And so, um, you know, that's just part of the reality. So we're going to unpack that. I'm also going to be honest with you that I'm going to struggle a little bit on time this morning because there's a lot to sort of dive into with this character. I'm going to do my best. So, um, you know, have you ever heard the have you ever heard the expression, you know, never meet your never meet your heroes? Have you guys ever heard that before? Right. It's this idea that sometimes who you see at the surface or what, you know, the way that you understand someone in sort of the short form of life, you know, it doesn't always translate. I once, and I'm not going to see who it was, but I once met a movie star uh, when I was working at a bookstore in Winnipeg. I met a few famous type people and he was a pretty famous dude, not the most famous 
you know, not a Tom Cruise level fame. Um, but you know, I knew who he was and I respected him as an actor. He was, he played in some really great movies that I really enjoyed and he came into the store and, uh, and you know what we, we had a very uncomfortable conversation where he was not a very pleasant person. Um, he was a little bit rude, a lot entitled. And, uh, and I kind of walked away from that conversation from that interaction thinking, you know, he, he was a bit of a bit of a jerk, you know, like I just didn't, I didn't have a favorable impression impression, right? The Bible doesn't really set us up for that with Samson, because the Bible is just honest from the get go. But as we dig in and ask good questions, we may have some of that dynamic take place. So, um, so yeah, we're gonna, we're gonna look at the complication of his life. Um, I think the best way to start this is to think about the book of Judges. And um, I could tell you about it, but as always, my favorite Bible study tool is the Bible Project. I so appreciate those guys, and they've done a really great bang-up job of of, uh, of communicating um, the, about the Book of Judges. It's about seven minutes long, but it's super interesting. So I'm gonna I'm gonna roll that, and we're gonna pick it up after the Book of Judges. So remember, after Joshua led the tribes of Israel into the Promised Land, he called them to be faithful to their covenant with God by obeying the commands of the Torah. And if they do this, they will show all the other nations what God is like. So Judges begins with the death of Joshua and basically tells the story of Israel's total failure. The book's name comes from the type of leaders Israel had in this period. Before they had any kings, the tribes were all governed by these judges. Now, don't think of a courtroom. These were regional political military leaders, more like a tribal chieftain. And you need to be warned, the book of Judges is very disturbing and violent. It tells the tragic tale of Israel's moral corruption, of its bad leadership, and basically how they become no different than the Canaanites. But this sad story is also meant to generate hope for the future. And you can see this in how the book's designed. There's a large introduction that sets the stage for Israel's failure as they don't drive out the remaining Canaanites. Then the large main section of the book has stories about the growing corruption of Israel's judges. And the progression here shows how Israel's leaders go from pretty good to okay to bad to worse. The concluding section is really disturbing and shows the corruption of the people of Israel as a whole. So let's dive in and we can explore each part a bit more. The opening section begins with the tribes of Israel in their territories in the Promised Land. And while Joshua defeated some key Canaanite towns, there was still a lot of land to be taken and lots of Canaanites living in those areas. And so chapter 1 gives a long list of Canaanite groups and towns that Israel just failed to drive out from the land. Now, remember, the whole point of driving out the Canaanites was to avoid their moral corruption and their way of worshiping the gods through child sacrifice. God had called Israel to be a holy people, and that does not happen. Chapter 2 describes how Israel just moved in alongside the Canaanites and adopted all their cultural and religious practices. And it's right here that the story stops. For nearly a whole chapter, the narrator gives us an overview of everything that's about to happen in the body of the book. This part of Israel's history, the narrator says, was a series of cycles moving in a downward spiral. So Israel became like the Canaanites, and so they would sin against God. So God would allow them to be conquered and oppressed by the Canaanites, and eventually the Israelites would see the error of their ways and repent. 
So God would raise up a deliverer, a judge, from among Israel who would defeat the enemy and bring about an era of peace. But eventually Israel would sin again and it would all start over. This cycle provides the literary design and flow for the next main section of the book. It gets repeated for each of the six main judges whose stories are told here. Now, the stories of the first three judges, Othniel, Ehud, and Deborah, they are epic adventures. They're also extremely bloody stories. Either the judge themselves or people who help the judge, they defeat their enemies and deliver the people of Israel. The stories about the next three judges are longer, and they focus in on the character flaws of the judges, which get increasingly worse. So Gideon, he begins pretty well. He's a coward of a man, but he eventually comes to trust that God can save Israel through him. And so he defeats a huge army of Midianites with only 300 men carrying torches and clay pots. But Gideon has a nasty temper, and he murders a bunch of fellow Israelites for not helping him in his battle. And then it all goes downhill from there. He makes an idol from the gold that he won in his battles. And then after he dies, all Israel worships the idol as a god, and the cycle begins again. The next main judge is Jephthah, who's something of a mafia thug living up in the hills. And when things get really bad for Israel, the elders come to him begging for his help. And Jephthah was a very effective leader. He won lots of battles against the Ammonites, but he was so unfamiliar with the God of Israel, he treats him like a Canaanite God. He vows to sacrifice his daughter if he wins the battle. This tragic story, it shows just how far Israel has fallen. They no longer know the character of their own God, which leads to murder and to false worship. The last judge, Samson, is by far the worst. His life began full of promise, but he has no regard for the God of Israel. He was promiscuous, violent, and arrogant. He did win brutally strategic victories over the Philistines, but only at the expense of his own integrity, and his life ends in a violent rush of mass murder. Now, a quick note here. You'll notice a repeated theme in the main section of the book, that at key moments, God's Spirit will empower each of these judges to accomplish these great acts of deliverance. Now, the fact that God uses these really screwed up people doesn't mean he endorses all or even any of their decisions. God is committed first and foremost to saving his people, but all he has to work with is these corrupt leaders. And so work with them, he does. This whole section is designed to show just how bad things have gotten. You can't even tell the Israelites and the Canaanites apart anymore, and that's just the leaders. The final section shows Israel as a whole hitting bottom. There are two tragic stories here, and they are not for the faint of heart. They're structured by this key line that gets repeated four times at the close of the book. In those days, Israel had no king, and everyone did what was right in their own eyes. The first story is about an Israelite named Micah who builds a private temple to an idol, and that gets plundered by a private army sent from the tribe of Dan. So they come and they steal everything, and then they go and burn down the peaceful city of Laish and murder all of its inhabitants. It's a horrifying story. When Israel forgets its God, might makes right. The final story of the book is even worse. It's a shocking tale of sexual abuse and violence, which all leads to Israel's first civil war. It's very disturbing. And that's the point. 
These stories are meant to serve as a warning. Israel's descent into self-destruction is the result of turning away from the God who loves them and saved them out of slavery in Egypt. And now Israel needs to be delivered again from themselves. The only glimmer of hope in this story is found in this repeated line in the last part of the book. It actually forms the last sentence of the story. Israel has no king. And so the stage is set for the following books to tell the origins of King David's family, the book of Ruth, and also the origins of kingship itself in Israel, the book of 1 Samuel. But the story of Judges has value as a tragedy. It's a sobering explanation of the human condition, and ultimately it points out the need for God's grace to send a king who will rescue his people. And that's the book of Judges. Okay, so a couple things about this. One is that I think it's a very intriguing perspective on the book of Judges, and it lends some con context to the, to the life and story of Samson. Now, this is an interpretation of his story. And so I want to invite, you know, as we wrestle through this, we are allowed to wrestle and to push back and say, well, I might understand that a little bit differently, or I've got questions about that interpretation of that person's life or of the way that that book works. And that's okay. It's okay for us to do that. That's part of what it means to, to take a complicated story and to meaningfully wrestle with it. Um, you know, and I would, I would kind of push back on, on a couple of things possibly that are there, but overall, I would say that that is a pretty, that's pretty consistent with, with my understanding of, of some of those stories, at least, or most of them. It's a complicated, it's a tragic, it's a tragic book. And, uh, and just to kind of reinforce the point, so we're Jesus people, right? This is the, the Jesus is our Lord. Jesus is our, is our savior. Jesus is our deliverer, right? And I want to, I want you to imagine for a second. Um, so if you think about the people of Israel, and this is just in the time of Jesus, and they're in a similar situation. Um, understand that when each of the judges are called forward, Samson no different, the people of Israel are actually being ruled by somebody else. They've lost their power, they're powerless, and they are being ruled by somebody else, right? And this is, this is not different in this story, and the people are crying out for deliverance, they're, right? And so in the book of Judges, God responds by raising up or by empowering certain individuals to be able to deliver them from that oppression. Now, fast forward, you know, a few thousand years, and you have two whatever it is. And you have, you have um, again, the people of, of Israel uh, being ruled by a foreign power, right? And crying out for a deliverer, crying out for someone to come and to rescue them. And they are looking for somebody who's exactly like Samson. They want someone who is going to come in, you know, take numbers, kick butt, do the thing, overthrow the powers of the world and, you know, conquer. That's what they're looking for. That's what they're expecting and anticipating. I want you to imagine from our perspective, as followers of Jesus, as followers of the way, how different would our gospel be if Jesus was like Samson? Just think about that for a second. Think about how different the story would be, how different his teachings would be. So we get a sense that these are two different people. Um, and I think that's important because they both occupy the same space in the imagination of their followers, don't they? Both deliverers, they're both coming to rescue. That's important to us. Um, and I and I don't want to put any any shade on on the whole superhero thing. I just spent yesterday finishing up watching a superhero television series. I mean, I, I like superheroes too, um, you know. I, and I and I I like powerful 
powerful people, powerful things that get stuff done. This is something that is, you know, I'm, I'm drawn to that as well. Um, but it is an interesting thing. It's an interesting thing that we look for power. And we definitely find that in Samson. Samson is, in fact, if you think about the superhero thing, Samson is basically, that's what he is. He's basically a superhero. He has superhuman strength. He can't seem to, he has an origin, he's got a cool origin story, right? You know, it, he kind of ticks off so many of those boxes for us. And so that's a really helpful way of thinking about this. I'm surprised Marvel hasn't like brought Samson into in, in into the Marvel universe. You know, it, it's surprising to me because he basically is that. Give him a cool suit and he's a superhero, right? Um, and so it's just as we look at it and think, what would the gospel look like if it had been the gospel of Samson? If, if Samson was the revelation of God's character, what would it, what's the situation that we would be in? And so that's how we start to that's how we start to interpret this book. It's really important as we look for the messages that are in any part of the Bible that we interpret them through the person of Jesus rather than the other way around. There are parts of Scripture they are signposts, and Samson is very much a signpost to Jesus. I want to be clear about that. He points. In many ways, he points directly to, and in some ways, he points opposite from, which is just as helpful, Jesus, right? And so, um, so there's a signpost, but the way that we understand the character and revelation of God is through Jesus and, and, then, and then stepping into the stories. And so we're going to attempt to do that a little bit this morning. Okay, so I want to talk a little bit about the actual life story of, of Samson. I want to talk about... Um, where he came from. So, because there's a lot of things that are similar to Jesus. There's a miraculous, uh, a miraculous part of, of, the, uh, of, his, of his birth, right? And so let's start this. So here we have a couple and they are, um, they can't have kids, which is, you know, that's, a, that's kind of a big deal in any time. That's a really big deal back in these days, a really big deal. You know, for people to not be able to have kids, and, and, and this this couple, they couldn't. And and then it says that the angel of the Lord comes and, and comes to the wife, um, and uh, and speaks to her and says, you know, you are sterile and you're childless, but you're now going to conceive and, and have a son. Now, understand that when it speaks of of the angel of the Lord, it's a little bit different than like you know an angel showed up. Like the angel of the Lord in a lot of ways is actually the, 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 the prefiguration of Jesus. So essentially you have, you have um, a, a, a representation of, of God showing up in this, not just, not just a messenger, um, but there's an encounter that's taking place. Maybe the Holy Spirit, if you will, but it's, it's, it's meaningful, right? And, and we know this because after they realize that it's not just any old angel they've been talking to, but it's the angel of the Lord, right? Um, Zora, the, the 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 name of the fella, he says, "I, why are we still alive? We're not supposed to be alive after encountering the glory of God. This is this is confusing, right? But anyway, the angel of the Lord shows up, speaks to this couple, and says, "You're gonna have you're gonna have a son, right?" And we start to we start to hear, and there's you know we start to hear echoes of Jesus and echoes on some level of John the Baptist as well, closer to John the Baptist if we're honest about the story. Um, and, and so they have, they have a back and forth and they end up, yeah, they end up having a son and their son, they name Samson. Now, Samson is, 
he's he's born with a purpose and this gets to alden's question um so samson is born from the get-go with with a with a purpose he's a promise first of all and there's this sense of deliverance that he's going to deliver the people and that's part of how even his parents understood him that's part of i think how he was raised but importantly he was born he was born to be what we are going to call set apart right he took he took a nazarite vow and so he's a particular kind of a particular kind of person um, and there were some you know and we're not going to get lost in the weeds too much there are different kinds of nazarites but essentially um, for somebody like samson it means three three things they're going to take three vows that are going to set them apart in really meaningful ways so the one we're, we're really super familiar with right what's the source of samson's strength uh, somebody drop it into the chat um and while well, Liv, Liv's got it going with her hair, right? In the in the visual, it's is his hair, right? That's the source of Alden's got it too. It's the source of his strength, as we understand it in the scriptures, is this fact that he has not cut his hair. Well, that's part of his Nazarite vow, right? That you don't cut your hair. So that's that's obvious. Now, not every Nazarite was given superhuman strength. That exists for Samson alone. And so as we start to ask the question, well, what is with the whole sort of you know, hair thing. Well, there's probably a couple of things that some people who are smarter and more well-read and understood than me might suggest. But I want to say at least this, if you got, you know, um, now men and women could do this, but primarily we see men stepping into this vow. In that culture, somebody walking around with no haircut, you know, for, for their whole life, they're going to stand out. There's a visual component to their vow. They are on display. There's something that's identifiable. It's not a secret vow. It's not something that's just between him and the Lord. No, this is a this is a public kind of a declaration. That at least, if you know, there's probably other things. And and you know, if you know of some of the meanings of those, I, I welcome that into the conversation. There's that. The other thing is that Nazarites are not welcome to um, to to have any wine or related drink. It's it it says right. And so you know, again, there's there's likely but levels of meaning to this but the idea of of this individual not taking part in wine is is why so that they can have their wits about them so that they can be present and alert um so that they are not going to give into their more base um uh, instincts right so they can control themselves we understand that um, a bad relationship with something like wine leads to a lack of self-control and potentially even addictions right so there's this sense of of this call upon the life of Samson to be a self-controlled individual, to be in control of his faculties, to be sharp, to be witty, to be present to the situation, right? So there's that. I want you to remember that because that's meaningful. And so we have the hair. We have we have the you know no alcoholic drink essentially, and then we have and then we have the the, the trifecta here. And this is weird for us, okay? But Nazarites were forbidden from being in the presence of of someone who had died to the point where they had to go and offer a special offering if someone accidentally died in their presence they're not they're not guilty of anything but in the understanding of the culture of the time they would become unclean ritually and they'd have to go through this this rite this act even though they didn't do anything wrong they they could not be in the presence of of uh of, of someone who had died or even an animal for that matter Right. This was. This is a significant, significant thing. Now, what's the reason for that? 
this is one of those signposts, I believe, that that ties us into the bigger story of of Jesus, right? Remember, our whole story is that we have we've been conceived of and div- and 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 created with divine and beautiful purposes, right? To be holy, to be a, a priesthood kind of a people, to be caretakers of, of the earth, to be reflectors of God's character and nature into the world, to be his image bearers, right? And we understand that when sin, sin entered in, that the, the predominant effect of that was realized through what? Well, through death, right? Death is, we understand that death is the ultimate consequence of sin. You know, and this leads us into all sorts of all sorts of other kind of conversations, but it's important for us to realize. And so there's something about the set apartness of Samson and the idea of this connection to, you know, um, not to shame those who had died, but to, to actually be a signpost pointing towards life, eternal life, this forever young, living, vibrant God. And ultimately, although they wouldn't have necessarily realized it or had the language for it, to actually be a signpost to resurrection. Right where there is no more cutting offness, this is this is this is significant. It's beautiful, right? So these are the three sort of vows that Samson is brought up with, and is this is you know, and we get into his story, and in 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 no quick time at all, this dude is is off the plot. We just have to call it for for what it is. Right. You know, whether he breaks these these rules implicitly or whether he just fails to get the point in general. Um, you know, we all know what happens with the hair thing. That's the biggest thing. And that's the bit that for sure gets written into all of the graphic novels and stuff. He cuts his hair. He's, you know, he's no longer he's a he's a muscular dude, but he's got no more strength. He's, you know, this is this is the thing that eventually happens. But the other stuff, you know, biblical scholars will talk about this event, right, where, you know, um, Samson, he uh, he's going to meet his bride to be. And with his parents and i don't know he goes for he goes for a walk by himself for a second and a lion attacks him and you guys know what happens right it's quite impressive um it's quite impressive he he destroys the lion with his bare hands right um i want to go camping with him when i go camping up north the possibility of encountering bears i you know and and you know yuri and i have history uh yuri lep and i have history with bears and uh yuri was very very smart and a really helpful person to be around when we were approached by a bear um and we got out of there because he's a pretty smart dude and we kept our wits about us i'll tell you the truth um you know to have had samson there as well so the things got out of hand and samson could just kind of do the thing i would that's the kind of guy i want to go camping with right samson takes out this lion now a lot of a lot of uh, uh scholars will will talk about you know this whole thing and particularly you know it's a long story but he goes and he he has this thing with his wife to be and he, he's coming back and he doesn't tell anybody about the lion and I, I guess until later and he he goes and he finds that the lion carcass now has a bee's nest in it and is full of honey and so he eats it and a lot of people will say you know well this is the part where he breaks this vow the vow of the nazareth because he's in the presence of a dead body this the, the, this corpse of this of this lion right um, i just want to draw our attention to the fact that that this individual samson he ends the life of very many people in the story uh, he does it over and over again in fact samson is not a harbinger of life in this story he's one who brings about people's ends right 
And so let's just look at some of those things. So, you know, here he's, yeah, he's going down to the, he's going to, you know, to the marriage feast. And, uh, and, and he's, the thing is, Samson's not just all brawn. He's actually a really smart guy too. We don't often give him credit for that because we, again, if we're going to draw him, we're going to put massive muscles on him, right? And and we know what to do with people who have massive muscles, right? They're usually, we, we think of them as not necessarily having massive brains, which isn't fair to all muscular people who are out there, but it's a stereotype. Well, Samson is not that guy. Samson is very smart. He he likes to play games with people with his with his fierce intelligence, actually, and he decides both because he well anyway you make up your mind about what you know what drove him to do this but he starts playing games with the, with the people who are part of his wedding party and he tells them a riddle right and there are 30 of these people 30 dudes who are hanging out with him and he says look if if you can if you can explain you know this riddle he said out of the eater something to eat out of the strong something sweet and so he he references this this event that he hasn't told anyone about and he's very clever with his language. And he says, he says, look, if you guys figure it out, I'm going to give you 30 pieces of clothing. But if you don't figure it out, you're going to give me 30 pieces of clothing. In other words, he wants to make, he wants to embarrass them. He wants to bring shame upon them, right? He's, the idea here is if you get this, you're going to, if, or if you don't get this, you're going to give me your clothes, right? So he's trying to shame them, which is just interesting. And so, you know, the 30 people, these 30 men, they can't figure it out. And so they go to his wife and they say, hey, look, we, you got to help us out here, sister. Like, get this thing figured out. We have no idea. And so she, you know, this is a story that's very familiar in the life of Samson. She goes and she gets the secret from him. And then she goes and she tells these 30 people. And so they come back and they, and they answer and they, something, they say something like, what's stronger than a lion? What's, what's sweeter than honey? And Samson loses his mind a little bit. And he goes out and he, this is, this is hard. I, I mean, I can, he kills 30 people and he takes their clothes and he, and he, and he gives it to these other 30 dudes to, as a fulfillment of his debt. It's, the, it's a nasty story. Right. And, uh, and so, you know, he, yeah. And he's burning with anger and he, hightails it out of there. He leaves the wedding party. He hightails it out of there. And, uh, you know, so here again, we have someone who is clearly in control of his emotions, right? He's clearly in control of his, of his uh, impulses. No, he's not. Uh, I don't know what, what pursued this, but when we, st- when we think about that second vow, you know, it's like, well, I don't know if he had any wine or not, but the effect of it sure looked like he's, you know, um, he's, he's not in control. Missing the point. And so after time passes, he cools down. He wants to go see his wife and he finds out that he finds out that they gave his wife to somebody else, which is again, in our understanding of marriage and culture, we have nothing, you know, it's, it's so confusing to us. So we just kind of have to go along with the story and, and, uh, and just kind of, we can ask her questions about it, but they end up, she can marry somebody else essentially. And, uh, and then, and then Samson, he, he like loses his mind, right? And, and he goes and he's just, he actually burns their city down. He just destroys everybody's homes. The, the, the people who have power, by the way, over, over Israelites, right? Like he's, he's, he's going to the rulers and he's just wreaking havoc. Um, and, 
And so, so he burns everyone's house down and he does it in a really unique way by tying foxes to one another and then lighting them on fire and having them run around. I mean, it's just crazy stuff, right? So, so, <clears throat> so then the Philistines, they, they, they're, they're freaking out a little bit and they go to the rest of the Jews, rest of the Israelites, and they say, you guys got to do something. And so uh, a whole bunch of people. Uh, go and they and they find Samson who's like I don't think he's hiding out that's not really his style but he's like chilling let's call let's say Samson is chilling somewhere get, collecting himself uh in a cave and so the Israelites come and they're like we're we're gonna hand you over man mate like this is not helpful you are not helping our case right now and so he's gonna be he's gonna be handed over by his own people and he says look just you guys as long as it's just you're gonna be handing me over that's fine just don't don't do me in yourselves okay you know don't be the mafia let those guys do their own do their own work and so so that's what happens so they take him and he's surrounded you know and you guys know the story right they've bound him up with with you know he's got ropes and and like anybody else would be hooped right and and the philistines they're gonna do him in and then all of a sudden like you know he just kind of busts out of the ropes and he's got he's a superhuman strength and they fall away like they're made of like ash or whatever and he there's 3,000 people. He, he takes a jawbone of a donkey, which I granted looks, it's kind of a sh like a hook, right? Yeah, it could be a bit of a weapon. And he takes out a thousand men with it. A third of their army, he wipes them out. We're just, the story is so, is so interesting and so complicated. And it's complicated to try to find out like, okay, so Lord, what are you doing in the middle of this? This is why it was important to show that opening video where we get some context as to what's happening in the book of Judges. Because at no point really are we called to be like Samson in the way that we're called to be like Jesus, right? But we are called to, to pay attention and to see. And again, he gets really witty, you know, again, an example of how smart, fiercely intelligent, Samson is, you know, he finishes his work with the jawbone and he says, with a donkey's jawbone, I've made donkeys of them all, right? With a donkey's jawbone, I've killed a thousand men. And you can just imagine his massive chest all puffed up and he's, he's kind of rotting high in the midst of this stuff. So listen, things get really funky now. At this point, I think it's around this time we start to count it. Samson uh, is the ruler because, I mean, he's the strongest guy. And on some level, he's been given power from God. Let's not, you know, he has abilities that God has given him. And, uh, and so he rules Israel as the, as the judge, as the deliverer for 20 years, a little chunk of time. And, uh, you know, as he's getting towards the end of this season, uh, you know, he makes some bad decisions. You know, he, he, he goes in, parents, you'll understand this. He, he goes to the red light district, you know, and he, he engages in some pretty questionable behavior. None of, none of which is condoned, by the way, in the scriptures. It's just not clearly condemned in, an obvious, in obvious terms like we would maybe expect it to be. You know, so he's demonstrating some character things here. But then he... Then he um, I don't know what the word is. I don't know if he could say that he falls in love with Delilah, but he meets someone who really, really catches his fancy. And of course, as, as I'm sure we all know, she ends up being able to coax 
the secret of his strength out from him, right? And he plays with her for a little while. He plays games like he always does, and he you know, speaks in riddles, and, and it's all the big game to him. But he's, his strength is intact, and then finally he just gets so weary of the game uh, that he tells her. And I don't know what he's, I, I don't know what drives him to do that, but he, but he tells her. And so she cuts her, his hair at night while he's sleeping and he gets captured. And again, I'm not going to get into the details, um, but let's just say that when the Philistines get him, they, they're not very nice to him at all. Right. Um, such that uh, by the time they're finished with him, he's got no strength, but he doesn't really have any, he can't see, he can't see anymore. He's blind. Right. And they, they make, they call him out whenever they want to laugh at somebody. So he's now gone from being the symbol of, of the resistance of Israel and a demonstration of the power of Israel's God in however they understood that stuff to now becoming uh, the person who they, like the clown, essentially, to pull him out. And of course, it's in this moment when he prays. And interestingly, you know, there's not a lot of example of Samson praying at all. He's, he's actually, you know, there's a lot of things we don't know, but we don't have a lot of moments where we see him pray or be prayerful. But in this moment, he's prayerful, and he asks God to give him his strength back. And of course, you know what happens. He does, and he puts his hands on the sides of the of the pillars of the temple, and he pushes them down, and he destroys all of the, in fact, it says that he destroys more people in that moment than he had his entire kind of career up to this point. A lot of people and himself, and he's done. Well, that's the story of Samson. Samson is a kind of, uh, I like to think of him as a kind of shadow of Jesus, right? So where Jesus is, is light, we see in, in Samson, we see certain characteristics, maybe the form is, is similar in some ways, his vocation, his space in life is similar, but you know, where Samson shows strength of a particular kind, Jesus demonstrates strength of another kind. Right, um, you know, when we think of uh, when we think of Samson, you know, we don't necessarily we wouldn't necessarily use the words restraint or even repentance, sorrow in conjunction with his life. We don't see we don't see moments where where he. Uh, it, uh, Again, sorry for the metaphor, but I just can't think of a better one. You know, Samson never encountered a gun that he didn't shoot. You know, this idea that if he could, he did. If he could do something, he, he took it as an imperative that he must do something. When we look at the life of Jesus, we see something that's very different. We see that Jesus is someone who has the capacity to enact any kind of manipulation of power that he wants to, and he can do it rightly. And he chooses not to so much of the time. He chooses not to throw himself off of a temple to demonstrate his glory, right? He, he chooses to, to take his power and it goes, instead of coming out of his arms, it like goes out of the bottom of his feet and his hands, essentially, if we think about the cross. There are shadows of, of Jesus that show up in the life of Samson. Samson is the savior that we probably would choose if we were in a pinch and needed someone to rescue us. Samson is the guy who you want on your side of a fight. And it's good to look at that and to recognize and to, and to look at the fruit of that life. 
Now I want to now back to Alden's question. The purpose is, you know, what was the purpose? What, why, why Samson? Why did God do this? Well, you know, Israel did come out from under the yoke of those people. That happened. Um, it was demonstrated again, and I think this is part of the purposes of God. It was demonstrated again that our way of doing things is not necessarily the best way or the highest way. You know, when we think of those vows that Samson takes as a Nazarite, you know, I think that they are the first part of the story where we are very aware of his strength and his violent use of it, but we're not so aware necessarily of the fact that he was set apart. This was an intention to be set apart. And so the question that I have is, you know, as I look at Samson, is, is Samson the sort of person who lived his life well? Is Samson the kind of person who, who used his gifts in a way that not just reflected the big story of, of Israel, his nation, but in fact reflected in some powerful and meaningful way the characteristic and the nature of God? I think it was really important and interesting comment that was made in that video we watched when we opened this up which was you know um that israel got to a point where where they actually even some of their judges didn't know the character of god uh, at all they had confused him to be just like just like the gods of of their neighboring countries and 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 people groups they confused his his nature you know there is a relationship that we have, that we live in, you and I. Um, and the intentions of, of God in our lives is in terms of the, the role that we play as actors in his big purpose. Um, I think it's important to know that God's, I believe that God's big purposes for all of time, the story that gets written from the beginning to the end, that they're unthwartable. I believe that. That the purposes of God are unthwartable. If the Lord has a purpose for you to do something in your life to forward the plot, somehow that's going to come about. I, 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 I think I believe that. You know, but the intentions that God has for us in terms of who we are while those intentions are realized, oh, I think that's like water. That's like trying to hold on to water with our hands. You know, that, that, that can go any which way. I think we can lose the plot. I think Samson, I honestly, I, I think there's a part of Samson that loses the plot in terms of the kind of person that he could have been. And so I think that in some ways, Samson did realize the purposes of God in his life to, re, to free the, well, there you go, Peter. That's a great, that's an interesting comment. Samson went off script, you know, in some ways, maybe in terms of his character. I would say that he did. He, he had to have because he didn't reflect Jesus. I mean, again, the, when we start to cast our characters and understand through the lens of Jesus, you know, our gospel would be very different if Samson had been the savior of God, if Samson had been the full, re, <laughs> imagine if Samson had been the full revelation of nature and character of God. You guys want to live in that world? Right? Without Jesus, that's the world we live in. That's like, you know, talk about the power and the, and the beauty of the gospel. The world says that, that might makes right, ultimately. 
Ultimately, I believe that that will be the story that gets played out apart from the work of Jesus in the world. I would like to do one final thing in this. Yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to drop a link. I'm going to drop a link into the chat here. We're going to, we're going to all together, um, uh, answer some questions. These are some different characteristics that are going to come up. So if you, if you can, you can either do this on the devices that you're watching on, or you can copy this link into your phone or something. So hopefully you guys are getting access to uh, access to this. And so I just want to, I want you to answer um, all that apply, check all that apply when you look at these different characteristics in terms of the life of Samson. Which of these boxes does Samson seem to tick? Looks like there's a few more people on there. We'll leave a, we'll leave an, another just a, a little bit more time here. I'm just going to leave this up for a minute while I talk here. Um, does anybody know where these where these characteristics come from? If you do, you can drop your answer in the chat. Very particular criteria of something. All right. Yeah, LJ, you got it. Um, so some of, some of us have been uh, uh, generous uh, with with uh, with Samson. Um, <clears throat> if you answer yes to any three of these characteristics, in modern terms, we are dealing with a sociopath. As I said. With full disclosure, I said, I'm going to be kind of hard on Samson this morning. And just because it's important for us to be really honest and to have a, an as, as complicated a relationship with the characters in Scripture as Scripture is with them as well, right? Just to be honest with them. He's an intense dude. I think it's really meaningful, and I don't have all the answers. I think it's really meaningful um, that Hebrews lists his name. You know, Samson, he, he does do this work of, uh, of being, in some ways, the opposite of Jesus in a lot of different characteristics, okay? But he does also represent to us the extraordinary power um, that comes from ultimately being uh, a, a somebody who is who, who knows that they're empowered by the work of god and i don't i'm not inclined to try to justify any of the behaviors that i would find repugnant and repulsive if i were to encounter them today in today's terms um i don't want to i don't want to do that but you know as, as nikki said here in the comments which i think is really insightful you know samson was acting on what he knew of god and yet did not have the whole picture and I think that we have a tendency, and what can Samson teach us in this time? What can Samson teach us? This is the most important question, not just as moral people, um, but what does Samson reveal to us about the character and nature of who God is? And I think we'll close out here. This is, a, this is an okay place to land this conversation this morning. Um, <clears throat> God is okay with, not with, not with terrible things, God is not God is a righteous God. But God is but God is okay with complicated people. He loves complicated people. We can particularly in our time 
we can tend to take out the big old eraser whenever we find a character flaw in somebody and just undo uh, their whole story through that exclusive lens. And I think that the scripture reflects something that is more nuanced and more, more complex and, and more gracious than that. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, and it is, it is a difficult needle to thread because we don't want, I mean, there, you know, we know the stories, we know the stories of moral failure in the church and the leaders of the church at large, particularly in North America that hit the news reels every, seems like every two or three weeks, you know, and we do not want to excuse that kind of behavior. We do not want to make it okay. And I don't want any part of this talk this morning to move in that direction, not, not one iota. And yet at the same time, God does not cancel this man to use our current vocabulary. God does not cancel Samson out of the scriptures. There's something that is there for us. There's something that's a redemptive part of that story. And so, Lord, I thank you that when you come with your gospel, you come with a gospel that is big enough and whole enough to be able to call us all to your presence, to be able to redeem us all to your presence. And Lord, we ask and we, well, we recognize first, we recognize the extraordinary gifts that you have put into every one of us, gifts and callings and purpose that exist for us, whether we see them and can clearly articulate them or not. Lord, thank you for those. Thank you for those tremendous attributes and strengths that exist within us and lord at the same time we know that those strengths do not make a license that whatever we do with them is right and noble no matter what lord we ask that you would lead us in how we practice what you've called us to lord that the way in which we live would be in line with the effects of how we live we pray for this god that you know, where Samson can be a cautionary tale for us in terms of what it looks like to be a repentant person, a humble person, even while being a gifted and called person. Lord, we invite your spirit to do that work. And Lord, where, where we do not see repentance in the life of Samson, even in his final moments, not an act of repentance, an act of vengeance, Lord, that we lay down. And we ask, God, that you would forgive us as we have sinned, that you would forgive us if we've sinned against others, that you would forgive us, Lord, as we've acted in vengeance against enemies, unlike you. And so we invite you into all of it, Lord. We thank you that you don't just erase us when we go off script. As promised, I went over time. Um, <laughs> thank you for your patience this morning. Uh, we're going to close the call uh, or the the live stream out now. Um, so bless you into the bless you into this into this week. Um, <clears throat> thank you again to to Alden and to Jaden for recommending uh, that we explore the life of Samson. Um, I know it's a complicated story, but that's okay. That's the way it is. And um, yeah, so keep those recommendations coming. And uh, if we don't see you sooner, we'll see you next week. So take care, everybody.